to our message tonight. Now, uh, throughout the years, many have been finding Jesus in a lot of different things. And I thought this was very entertaining. For example, a man in California was eating shrimp when he saw the image of Jesus looking back at him on the inside part of the tail of the shrimp. He, uh, you know, the tail part, after he ate it, he was about to discard, and he saw this little image of Jesus on the tail. Well, the article says it, gives him, it gave him a sense of peace because he was in the middle of a divorce and all, but he was touched by that. A woman in Arizona didn't find any cavities in her dental x-ray, but you can guess there was an image of Jesus on one of her left molars. Even the dental technician was like, do you see that? And so she, she was just over the top about it. Matter of fact, she's going to print it out. She's planning to frame it and calling it Jesus Molar X-ray. In the article, it quotes her saying, that's my guardian angel. I don't know if it works that way, but (laughs) there was a man in Pittsburgh. He stepped out of the shower and noticed there was a water stain on a piece of plaster that looked like the image of Jesus. Guess what he did? He cut it out and put it on eBay, and he sold it for $1,999. In Fort Worth, Texas, last one, there was an image of Jesus that appeared on the glass of an apartment window. Well, that just went through the whole community. It drew thousands of people seeking Jesus. And a priest, a Catholic priest, even came and led a mass in front of this window on this apartment. Funny thing, though, eventually uh, the apartment owner, the landlord, allowed them to take the glass out and they're going to move it to the nearby Catholic church, but they dropped it and there's a crack in it. But it's interesting how so many people are looking for Jesus in these so-called appearances. But who really knows what he looks like, right? Who really knows that that's really Jesus? But I know where to really find Jesus. And it's right here in our Bibles. It's right here. So as we return here to our study in the book of Acts, that's what the Apostle Paul is putting out. He points out that we can find Jesus in the Scriptures. And that's the title of our message, Finding Jesus in the Scriptures. Finding Jesus in the Scriptures. Now we're going to be studying Acts chapter 17 from verse 1 through 15 tonight. We're going to take that first half of this chapter tonight. Next week we'll We'll pick it up after that. But tonight, finding Jesus in the scriptures, Acts 17, 1 through 15 are the verses we'll be covering. Now, there's four things we're going to see in our passage, and this is our outline and our points. Number one, the reasoning. Number two, the results. Number three, the researching. And number four, the rerouting. So I did a R little alliteration tonight for those of you who like that. I don't know, my brain just goes that way now for some reason. I don't really talk that way, but I don't know, I see things that way. Well, finding Jesus in the scriptures, Acts 17, let's begin with number one, the reasoning. The reasoning. Now here we're going to be covering verses one through four. One through four. 
And let's go ahead and and look at this together. Acts 17, verse 1, it starts out now. When they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And then verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. We'll stop right there now. So as we have read these verses, we begin here with this first word in verse 1, now. So that's connecting us into this new section of What's going on here? And what we are in right now is Paul's second missionary journey. He's out there. He's been moving. He's been journeying, going on his missions trip from city to city, sharing Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember last time, we were in the book of Acts. We were in chapter 16, and they were in the city of Philippi. And being in Philippi, you remember Lydia and her household got saved. Remember the city was in an uproar. Paul and Silas ended up in, in, in prison. But then God, with the earthquake, opened the doors, which resulted really in the jailer to hear the gospel and be saved, him and his household. So there was a church being planted there in Philippi. So they went on from Philippi and traveled uh, through Amphil- Amphipolis and um, Apollonia. Now, um, if you want to take a look at the map, uh, I I did try and get a map going here. Is there a map? Uh, No map? Oh, oh well. No map there. Uh, But you can see that from Philippi, they traveled, if you see the map, or you look at any Bible map, they traveled Philippi going south, kind of southwest, and they went through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia. And they went through that area, and then they arrived in Thessalonica. Now, yay, there's the map. You can see it, right? And just note, you can see, we're going to see them go to Berea, um, Berea next, uh, we're going to be seeing that tonight. And, ne- and Athens is going to be mentioned too. You'll, you see the arrow, arrow, arrow going that way. And we're going to look more of that next time. But so you see how they en- went through those A cities and they ended up in Thessalonica. And so here's Paul. Remember his missionary team is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And if you notice here in verse 1, it says, Now when they, remember the writer is Luke. And we saw last time that uh, that changed from we to they, so probably Luke is staying on in Philippi. But here we have the three missionaries, the missionary team. Paul's on his second missionary journey, and now they come to Thessalonica. So uh, that's the map for you there. Now, in Thessalonica, there was a synagogue of the Jews. So as you know, as was Paul's custom, right? This was his pattern of ministry. I think of it, this was his operation, his outreach plan, his OP that he did in every city. This is what he would do. He would travel, 
go to the, find the Jewish synagogue there, and as they see him as a, 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 a noted Pharisee, a high makamaka guy, they, they would allow him to speak. And so he would share from the scriptures about Jesus Christ. Now you read here in verse 2 that for three Sabbath days, every, every Sabbath, three Sabbath in three weeks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. The word reason here, it means to like discuss. It, it means to in, have an intelligent discussion on the scriptures and about Jesus, about the Messiah, about the Christ. Uh, I would say that he did a Bible study, basically. Yeah, He did a teaching. He brought out the scriptures that talked about Christ. And interesting enough, here we read that uh, in verse 3, that he explained and proving right, that Christ, which is the Messiah, had to suffer and then rise from the dead. So he was explaining from the prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. But from the scrolls, from what they had back then, he would pull out the prophecies and talk about how, you know what, the Messiah, he wasn't to come and rule and reign, which most of the Jews thought, even the disciples, right? Thought that. And when Jesus died, they're like, oh, they're at a loss. But he rose again. And then, so Paul is explaining, look, this was prophesied that this Jesus, it goes on to say, uh, that this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. You know what happened to him? This is exactly what was prophesied. So the Old Testament prophecy proves that Jesus is the Messiah. So here's Paul witnessing in that way. And, and I like this because we get a little more detail on how he shared the gospel in the synagogues. We saw him, his pattern, his, op, his outreach plan uh, throughout this book of Acts when Paul went out and on his missionary journey. And now we're, we get a little more detail on how he did that and taught that, that he reasoned, that he intelligently had a discussion sharing and reasoning with the, with the Jews there. Uh, the scriptures, and that's the Old Testament prophecy. Now we read in verse 4, and some of them were persuaded. So some of the Jewish guys there in the synagogue, they, they were persuaded. In other words, they believed. They, it says, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. In other words, they believed in what they were saying. They believed in Christ. They, they accepted Christ. And then it says, as did a great many of devout Greeks. Now, We've come across that before, and those are the, the, the Gentile proselytes who are following, seeking God, but these guys now came to salvation in Jesus Christ also. And then Luke adds, not, and not a few of the leading women. What's that? Well, first of all, I think it's funny. He says, and not a few. In other words, there was a lot of these women. And who are these women? The leading women. There are prominent women in that city of Thessalonica. Now, some uh, say, and some even manuscripts translated as some of the wives of prominent leading men in that city. So it could be that. It could mean the wives of some leaders of the city. So here's the idea. In those three days, Paul opened up the scriptures so the people could understand and see Jesus in them. He opened them up in that way. 
You know, I was thinking about this. It, I, I, I bet the same feeling of what was going on here in Thessalonica was, do you remember, after Jesus' resurrection and on the road to Emmaus, that kind of triggers your mind, right? And in Luke 24, the disciple, Jesus met up with these disciples and they didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus taught them the scriptures from the Old Testament, the prophecies about the Messiah. And then when they stopped to eat, uh, then Jesus disappeared, right? And then you remember what these disciples said in Luke 24, 32? They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, I feel like that's exactly what was going on here. The Holy Spirit, was empowering Paul and witnessing in the hearts of the people listening as he opened the scriptures up, as he explained, as he proved that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who was prophesied about, as he reasoned intellectually, did a study, showed them that and proved Jesus is the Messiah, that their hearts were burning inside them too. So with that, the reasoning of Paul brought about a revival. And that's what we see here. The reasoning of Paul brought about a revival. And that's where revival can come from. I mean, there's prayer, repentance, but it's the word of God, the truth of God going out. And that revives our hearts too. There was a, a, there, a, a minister, English a minister named Arthur S. Wood, and he said, it may be said that revivals thrive on the word and the word is exalted in revivals. I like that. I love that. You know what's awesome about this is as Paul was sharing what was written in the Old Testament, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years before this time where Paul is that and what they're sharing it, what was prophesied came to pass. That's what Paul was saying. Hey, look, we're living in a time where it all happened. What we know about Jesus, what you know, what you've heard about Jesus living on this earth and dying on the cross, about him rising again, it was prophesied here in the Old Testament. It all happened. And we understand because this is the Word of God, isn't it? This is God's Word. And, and you know what? This is why we are here tonight. This is why we gather on Sunday morning. This is why we study the Word of God. We, we, we get into it. We, I try and explain it. I try and help you to understand. So you know why? So you can find Jesus right here in this book. So you can find Jesus. Listen, this, this book here is not another self-help kind of book, right, that you can buy. It's, it's not some motivational kind of uh, a writings in here. No, it's the truth of God that he has given to us to understand, to learn, to read, to study, to get into. This is so important. Understand that the number one way God speaks to us is right here. Yes, through the Spirit he speaks and through pastors talking, maybe a song, maybe someone praying. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. Holy Spirit can speak to you through those ways or when you're in prayer. But the number one way is the Word of God. Black and white, right here, outside of ourselves, our emotions, our minds, right here. 
not subject to any of that, but we find the truth of God right here. So you know what we're doing tonight? We're doing what Paul did. We're doing exactly what Paul did. We're finding Jesus in the scriptures here. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to understand God's word. And what Paul did, let me tell you, that's what Nehemiah did. Now, turn over to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8, verse 8. And I love this verse because it speaks of what we're doing here tonight, what we do in Sundays, what we do in any of our Bible studies. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. This was, as you're turning here, uh, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. Uh, the temple was, was finished way before that. Nehemiah had, was trying to organize things in the city. And one of the things is, is getting everyone together to study the Word of God again. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, it says, They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So they read from the Word of God in a clear way, in a way you can hear it, and they gave the sense. So the leaders there in Israel, the priests, the, the teachers there, gave the sense, the understanding. They reasoned with them so that the people what understood the reading. And that's what's important, that we understand. That's what Paul was doing with the reasoning. And that reasoning of Paul brought on that revival. And that's what brings the revival in our hearts. You know, there's some amazing facts. I just want you to see how important this is. But there's a lot of amazing facts of the Bible. We know there's 66 books in, this, in, this, in our Bibles, right? 66 books. It contains poetry, prophecy, songs, letters like in the New Testament, eyewitness accounts, historical stories, historical documents are contained here. And it's filled with godly advice like, like the book of Proverbs. We know that these 66 books were written over a span of 1,500 years. That's 43 generations. It was written from, uh, all, from different places all over in the ancient world. And you know what's amazing about that? But it all comes together here with one truth, and it all connects, and it doesn't contradict. And even with that uh, thinking, what's amazing is there's over 40 authors of these books that are contained in the Bible. And these authors were like fishermen, right? There was kings, there was uh, soldiers, there was, uh, uh, these authors were poets, a physician, like we're reading here, Dr. Luke. There are prophets, there's musicians, there, there, there's royal officials, there uh, even, even, right, a tax collector wrote one of the books, Matthew. And so it's amazing, over 40 different authors spanning 1,500 years, still yet it comes together in one book. Did you know that the Old Testament, there are over 42,000 ancient manuscripts? The New Testament, there's over 18,000 ancient manuscripts, which all of this speaks to its accuracy. The closest ancient document is uh, Homer's Iliad, and it only has 1,800 manuscripts. By far, the Bible has more manuscripts that match together in all this time ancient manuscripts that prove its accuracy 
And did you know the Bible is still the best-selling book ever? I think I was reading the statistics. It was like um, 80 million a year, something like that, all over the world. So God has done this. I understand this is a miracle that all this ancient writing would be together still in our hands today. That's God. God kept it all together. The question is, what do we do with what God kept together? He did it for us, that we would seek the truth, that we would, you know what, be finding Jesus in the scriptures. All right, so we have Paul reasoning. The reasoning of Paul brought on this revival. Well, let's go to number two now. The results, the results. Here we're going to look at verses 5 through 9, 5 through 9. And and there's two results we're going to find in this passage. Verse 5 says, Acts 17, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. All right, here is this revival basically going a lot of going on, a lot of people coming to the Lord. But then we, when we come to verse 5, right, but the Jews, right? Here we are, these Jews, Jew, these D- Jewish guys that were jealous. They're envious of what was going on. Now, I, this is the result number one of finding Jesus in the scriptures is that these Jews were jealous and they, were, they didn't like that there were so many coming to Paul's meeting. I think it's like Jesus in the time of Jesus, how the Pharisees and the Jews there were jealous, envious of Jesus that, because they felt like their power was being taken away. Their position was being threatened. They wanted all the attention, all the money. So they're envious. Wait, wait, no, no. Why? No, these are our people. No, they can't go there. No, they're, they're supposed to be looking at us as authority. But now they're going to Paul. What? So they took things into their own hands and did something very extreme here. These Jews, they took some wicked men of rabble. (laughs) How do you like that? They hired some muscle, basically. Yeah, Some guys to come in and to go into Jason's house, the house of Jason. Now, he he was a believer, housed, probably allowed Paul and, and Silas and Timothy to stay there. And probably they had some meetings there also. Well, they they came in to grab Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but they weren't there. So they grabbed Jason and some of the believers there, and they drug them to the city authorities, accusing them of basically treason. That, that, hey, they're, they're, they're talking about another king we are to worship. His name is Jesus, going against... Uh, of what the Roman government, you know, says we should do, which is kind of interesting, right? Because the Jews hated Rome. They didn't want to worship Caesar, yet they're using all this against them. So 
they're acu- they bring them to the, the city authorities, accusing them for, for, for making trouble and treason, uh, having people you know, be, uh, uh, give allegiance to another king. And, and so the, whole, the people were disturbed, it says here. And the, the, the city officials, the authorities were disturbed. Why? Because this might bring in the Roman soldiers and it might bring trouble into the city. And so basically they took them, jailed them, and then when it says here that when they had taken money as security, basically they, uh, when these guys posted bail, when they gave them money, posted bail, they let them go. Now, I want you to see something here. The result, the first result, I should say, of finding Jesus in the scriptures was this persecution that came. I want you to see that as it was custom or the pattern of Paul to go into synagogues and open the Old Testament scriptures and share Jesus, well, this is the custom or pattern of the devil. This is what he does. He riled up the Jews in their fleshly appetites and tried to stop the word of the Lord. This is the result of finding Jesus in the scripture. It, it, th- this, is, this is what happens. The devil hates this. The, Satan hates it when you get into the Word. He doesn't like it that you're studying and learning and finding Jesus in the Word. Why is that? Because your life is going to change, right? Because it affects you. Because God speaks to you. And you know what? Jesus said in John 8, 31, 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my Word, you are truly disciples. When we receive God's word, we become his disciples. And then in verse 32, we know this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's something the devil doesn't want to happen in your life. To set you free from your sins. To heal you and set you free from the bondage of your sins. And I'm not just talking about your big sins, but as you grow, as you grow in the Lord, God wants to grow you and set you free from your old ways. And it happens through the study of the Word. And so Satan doesn't like that. So the result of finding Jesus in the Bible is going to be opposition. It's going to be attack. It's going to be this type of thing going on. But let me give you Result number two, though. And we find that in verse six, don't we? Result number two of finding Jesus in the scriptures is what the Jews had accused him for. They were shouting in the middle of verse six, these men who who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Don't you love that phrase? With the truth of Jesus, the truth of God, they have turned the world upside down. I like how they said that. Now, I'm sure what they really mean is these guys are making trouble. They're going around making trouble. But I'll tell you what, if people's lives are changed, then you know what? I like that kind of trouble. If people's lives are being saved and changed, and that's the trouble we need in this world, don't we? I mean, and really the reality is the world is upside down. Right? And Jesus puts the wor- world and people right side up. 
So I like that phrase. That's the second result I want you to see. It's like we saw in the first section, uh, in the verse above, verse 5, that people are getting saved. People's lives are being changed. Yes, the world is being turned upside down. So the results of finding Jesus, uh, really what we see here depends on how you see things. You have a result with the Jews not liking it, but we have uh, what we see today that, yeah, our lives are being changed. So the results of finding Jesus depends on how you see things. Years ago, a Soviet official was asked why the study of the Bible was not allowed in the Soviet Union, in the country there. And why was it that those who printed and distributed Bibles were severely punished? Well, you know what his reply was? We find the reading of this book changes people in a way that is dangerous to our state. (laughs) Really, it's how you see things, right? The devil sees it that way. Well, do you understand now why there's such a pushback, you know, on you when you go to read the Bible, when you go to study the Bible, even trying to come to church, right? Sometimes Wednesday night is the hardest thing to do. Things happen at work. Things happen right before. Uh, 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 um, Something, you know, is, is just like making it easy for you to not go to the church, Everything that can happen seems to happen, like on Wednesday night. Or maybe Sunday morning, you wake up, oh, I, don't, oh, I feel kind of funny. Or for some people, Satan makes it really easy. Oh, it's a nice sunny day, no wind. Oh, the water looks nice, yeah. Some people like that. But so, sometimes we're, we are committed, but then boom, there's, there's, there's a pushback. You know what? That's the enemy. It's what we see here. Because he knows the power of the word. And he wants to keep it out of our minds and our hearts. He doesn't want us to understand this. He doesn't want us to see the truth that is in the Bible. Because if you see that truth, it will change your life. Hebrews 4.12, the first part, this is the NLT. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's here in the word that Satan doesn't like. But it's here we find change, hope, life. And it's when we're finding Jesus in the scriptures. All right, so we see the reasoning. We see the results. And now we come to number three, the researching. The researching. This is verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11. Take a look with me here, Acts 17, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. We'll stop right there. So with what was going on, uh, the... Verse 10 tells us the brothers, the believers there, with what happened to Jason, they probably found Paul and Silas and Timothy and said, hey, you guys got to get out of the city. Uh, um, you know, you, you better go. So they left by night in the secret of night, and they went more south. If you remember the map, they went more south, more down on the map, and they arrived in Berea. 
Now, in Berea, what did Paul do? Well, he did his outreach plan, right? As was custom, he went to the synagogue. And he went to the synagogue in Berea, and he began to teach them the scriptures just like what he did in Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica, Luke tells us, these Jews were more noble than the ones uh, in the ones in Berea than the ones in Thessalonica. And the idea with noble means they're more like open-minded. They're more like, oh, more, more maybe self-control, more thinking, more, uh, uh, they listen better. They, they uh, listened and accepted uh, what Paul was saying. They, they really were attentive. And as we read here, they accepted it to be true. Maybe when we talk about they're more noble, you can say they're more teachable. I like that thought. Because we need to be more teachable and open. Yeah, Not like, hmm, con- kind of convince me here. Not coming in that way, but more like, Oh, yeah, let me hear. Let me hear what you're saying. Maybe, maybe God's speaking to me in that sense. So these guys were more open, and they were also studious. We read here in verse 11 that these guys uh, received the word with all eagerness. They liked it. And then they were examining the scriptures, the scriptures that Paul taught, Daily, I like that, to see if these things were true. In other words, they, they, they were uh, searching, they were examining, they, were, they studied the scriptures. They researched, you can say, that's, that's my heading. They researched the Old Testament scriptures, you know what, for themselves. They wanted to see with their own eyes. They wanted to study. And they came to believe that what Paul taught was true. And so they wanted to see if these things were really true. They wanted to make sure what What was Paul teaching? That Jesus is the Messiah. And what he did in dying and rising again is what was prophesied. And Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And so this is the way of salvation. Now we see here a really great example, right? that we should study the Word of God in that way, that we should examine, that we should make sure what someone is saying, that it's true. Um, I, I grew up learning this, that Acts 17, 11, that's what we need to be. We need to be good Bereans, good Bereans. We need to know the Word. The early church father, Chrysostom, said, the source of all our troubles is not Uh, uh, the source of all our troubles is in not knowing the scriptures. So the researching of the Bereans, you know what ended up doing? It cemented the truth inside of them. And that's what happens when we study the Bible. That's when we learn what's in here and we go home and we, we meditate, we look at it. It cements that truth in us. That's why coming to church and learning these things, going through studies and books is so important because it cements the truth inside and that's what they did. The researching of the Bereans cemented the truth inside. Way back, I, I, I remember, um, I grew up, uh, I got saved when I was 14, grew up Calvary Chapel under Pastor Chuck, and, and I grew up learning about end times, about uh, prophecy, the end times prophecy, about 
the rapture and the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Christ, all of that. There's a lot of talk and study on that. Uh, there was excitement, Jesus coming back, all of that. And, and so there was life. But I, I remember maybe, um, I don't know, maybe five years or so into my walk, that I thought, you know, what do I really believe? Because some people believe uh, uh, pre, you know, that the rapture is first, pre-trib rapture. Some are mid-trib, some are post-trib. And, and Pastor Chuck always taught pre-trib, basically, the rapture first and then the the, the seven years tribulation. I thought, you know what? what that's what I, how I grew up as a, as a Christian, but what? let me see for myself. So I took the time and I took days to study the scriptures and uh, the picture of Noah and First and Second Thessalonians, how Paul wrote it and, and the book of Revelation. And, and as I studied, I, I came to my, my own uh, ownership of that doctrine, basically, I'm 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 pre-trib, um, and I know it, and it's cemented in me because of what I learned. And certain scriptures really stood out to me, like, wow, this is what it is. This 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 is it. When when I really uh, saw, I think it was in Revelation six about the tribulation saints, a different group of believers than the church underneath. Beneath the altar, I thought, wait, wait, what's that? Oh, they're tribulation saints crying out to God when you avenge us. These Christians who had been martyred during the tribulation, I thought, oh, that, that separation there supported that. Oh, I see, the church goes first, and then people are saved during tribulation. But that was for me, and it cemented what I see in Scripture into my heart that, yeah, I see it very clearly, rapture's going to happen first. So it's important that we research things too. It's, um, I've researched other doctrines in Christianity and I've come to my conclusions and beliefs in that. It's important that we get into the Bible, the truth, and it gets cemented in us. You know what? It's sad. is out in our Christian society and it kind of floods into the world society but sadly, many Christians believe things that are not in the Bible. For example, you've heard this, right? God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? No, there is not a verse like that in the Bible. No, if, if someone's kind of put it together, became a sort of tradition. Oh, well, you know what the good book says. You know, you see on TV, it's like, no, it doesn't. You're wrong. Heresy, no, no. <laughs> or how about cleanliness is next to godliness? Yeah, there's no verse like that. Or, or how about this? Money is the root of all evil. There is no verse. You know, what Paul says in First Timothy is the love of money is the root of all, uh, of all evil. Or, or how about this one? This, is, this, this one we, we, we can all get mixed up. Is The lion shall lie down with the lamb. Did you know there's no verse in Isaiah about that? It's the wolf. There's, there's actually a song out there that talks about that. But it's not scripture. It's actually a wolf. It doesn't say that. Yeah, it doesn't say that. Or how about this? You probably heard, heard Christians say this. Oh, you know, this too shall pass. Like that's some verse. In a, no, there's no verse in the Bible that says, says, oh, 
I mean, it's true, yeah, our tribulation trials, they're temporary. One day we'll get to heaven. Yeah, we'll pass. But, but we use it like it's a verse in the Bible. But it is not in there. So we have to be careful because that can, that can slide us a little bit off target, you know. That's what happened to cults, right? Where ultimately many of the cults say, oh, Jesus is not God, right? They, and, and if someone says that, you know, know, know your research. Yeah? Know what you know the truth. No, the Bible is very clear. Jesus is God. And so that's so important that we do our research to cement the truth in us because it's here we're finding Jesus in the scriptures. All right, let's come to our last heading, the rerouting, the rerouting. We've seen number one, the reasoning. Number two, the results. Number three, the researching. And now number four, the rerouting, the rerouting. And this is the last verses from verse 12 through 15 that we're going to see tonight. And so let's take a look at that. Verse 12, Acts 17. Many of them therefore believed uh, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. There he goes again. (laughs) It's funny how he puts that. But so many believed. Many um, people believed. These Berean people in there and even prominent women, maybe wives uh, um, of, of leadership as well as men. But when the Jews, here we go again, from Thessalonica, learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who uh, conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, remember on the map, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So people, there was a revival breaking out there too. But then the Jews, these same guys in Thessalonica, heard what was going on and they came to Berea. How, how evil is that, right? Again, there's two results. People are getting saved, revival going on, people's hearts are getting changed, and then who's right there? The devil, right? using these Jews to come and try and stop the work. Well, they came to the city, agitating everyone, stirring things up. And I just think how relentless Satan is. Yeah, That's why we need to pray for those who preach the word, who teach the word, because this Satan's relentless. He wants to stop the work. He wants to s- stop the church. He wants to stop the teaching of the Bible. And he'll, he'll attack the people in the church. He'll attack the person preaching. And, and he's relentless. So, so you get a picture of that here. So with these guys coming in and knowing these believers, the brothers of Paul, guys, knowing what happened in Thessalonica, they say, hey, Paul, you better get going. So they sent them off. And some other believers went with them and they ended up in Athens. Now, Silas and Timothy stayed behind. Maybe they still had some discipleship. Maybe they still had some things to do. But it seemed like to me the Jews were really targeting Paul. That's how Paul took off. And they wanted him. They probably didn't care too much about Silas and Timothy. Paul was the guy. He was the speaker. He was, he was the leader. They wanted to take him down. But when Paul reached Athens, he sent the other brothers, the believers that were with him, who, who traveled with him, probably trying to protect him and be with him. You know, he, Paul sent them back. 
to get Silas and Timothy to bring him to Athens. And so we, we come to this point in the story where Paul is in Athens waiting for the team to come and meet him there. Now, next week, we're going to go on and find out what happens with Paul waiting there in Athens and how he witnesses to the Greeks here. So what I want you to see here, though, in God's sovereignty, God had Paul move on. Because next week, we're going to see in the next part of the chapter that Paul gets to witness to these Gentiles. That God, God is, is really opening up another opportunity there. Even though Satan's trying to stop the work in Berea, God is moving the team on to, you know what, do more. To bring Jesus to more people. And I mentioned this before. In these times of persecution, we've seen in the book of Acts, it's just like Acts 8, right? When persecution broke out in Jerusalem, uh, the Christians, believers, scattered. They went out, and that's how the gospel spread out into Samaria, right? Uh, uh, remember the Ethiopian, that first Gentile heard the gospel, was saved. I mean, I mean, that's the similar thing that's going on here. And so Paul ends up in, in Athens, and he gets to confront the Greek secular society head on. Because God loves them too. So the rerouting now from the attack, uh, it only spreads Jesus more. The rerouting from the attack will only spread Jesus more. And I was thinking about this. In understanding this and what's going on, you know, God wants to keep us going. And And to persevere. I was thinking about it this way. You know, have you ever been pushed? Like, in an antagonistic way. Like, do you remember when you're a little kid? Someone pushes you, right? And you push back. And they push you. And then you're shoving them back, right? Right? It it irritates you. It gets you all, all angry and everything, right? Well, I was thinking, not in a fleshly way, when Satan pushes back, on your ministry, when Satan pushes back on on you sharing Jesus, when Satan is coming and trying to stop you from you even finding Jesus, you know what? We need to push back. But I don't mean like, all right, Satan, we're going to get on fight. No. What I mean is push back in our commitment. Push back in our devotion. Push back in our resolve. That, you know what, nothing's going to stop me. That there may be an obstacle Satan puts in my my way, but you know what, I'm not going to get all emotional about this. I'm not going to let it trip me up. I'm not going to start letting it, like, bring me down and discourage me. No, I'm going to turn the obstacles into opportunities for Jesus. And that's what we need to do. And every time we see this, I, I think about how... Persecution came, right? We see the result, revival. The second result is the attack from Satan. But did, did Paul say, oh, forget it. This isn't working. Let's just go back. No, he went on to the next destination, to the next city. It didn't stop him. Yeah, for safety he went on, but it did not stop him from continuing to, to do his ministry in Jesus. And I think 
as we come into this new year, 2024, that we need to keep pushing on, pressing on in Jesus. That we don't want to let those things that come up that maybe maybe discourage us or make us want to stop or, or, or make us feel like, ah, maybe I'm no good or anything like that, you know? No. God is called you. God has equipped you. God has saved you. God has forgiven you. God is not condemning you. He's like, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's grow. Let's change. And let's keep persevering on to what I want you to do and what I've called you to do. So let's turn obstacles into opportunities for Jesus. Let's not let Satan push us down, yeah? But if he's pushing back, then I'm just going to press on even harder in my commitment, in my devotion to Jesus, in my love for him, in what God wants me to do. I don't want to allow him to smash me down and win, right? No, I want Jesus to win. So I'm going to keep finding Jesus in everything that I do. Well, here's one last thought. And then uh, we're going to spend a little time in prayer. But here's one last thought. And I want to leave this in your minds as we close up. Now, we know postage stamps. Yeah, the little stamp you put on the letter. They're, they're getting more expensive, right? I was reading that, I think it was January 21st, they're going from 60 cents, 66 cents to 68 cents now. What were they before, like one cent? <laughs> Long time ago. But they're, 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 the postage stamps are getting more and more expensive. But at least they have one attribute that we can emulate, that we should copy or follow. You know what that is? They stick to one thing until they get there. (laughs) So I want to put that in your head. Let's stick to the word until we get to Jesus. Until Jesus gets in us. And that's what it means to be in the word and finding Jesus in scripture. Let's pray. Lord, uh, um, I'm just so inspired by uh, Paul and and just his heart and, and this team that how they just continued on and persevered, Lord, and and let that be for each one of us. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight that's been weary and and doing good, and and it's been hard. They've been weary and sowing and and, 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 and wanting to see the, the reaping the harvest, but it's been hard. But God, you have a plan, and we're going to trust in you in that. Lord, I think about how this team, how it must have been disheartening to see people coming to Jesus, but then they had to leave. But Lord, they trusted in you. And, and God, we want to trust in you for our situation, for what we're in, our ministries, for what you're having us do, God. Whatever that is, Lord, we want to stay committed and be committed even more. God, we want to stay devoted and loyal to you. We want to love you more than ever and ever, God, and not let whatever Satan's trying to stop us with, God, to not let that hinder, Lord, who you are in our lives, what you mean in our lives, God. Finding you, Jesus, more and more in every part of our lives. So, Lord, 
we submit ourselves to you. God, take control. Lord, let your spirit fill us, God, that we would be following the spirit's leading, hearing his voice, and letting the spirit move us, empower us, and control us. And that in all of that, we would find you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In your name.